0: So today we're starting off a new series to go with our, our 21 days of fasting and praying. We're going to be going through the book of Matthew. That's what this, this guide is for. It has your reading guide on the back. So we're, as a church, we're going through the book of Matthew. So we're going to be preaching from the book of Matthew over the next four weeks. And the series we're starting today is called The Greatest. And we were, we were kind of building this thing, kind of figuring out what we need to do. And, and we just felt like The Greatest was a great title and because this is going to be the greatest year so far. Amen? So we're going to be talking about things like loving God, loving people. We're going to talk about how to love God and how to love people. We're going to talk about the Great Commission. We're going to approach issues like racism. We're going to approach issues that we need to talk about today that we need to start the year off right with. Amen? So just to get you excited. So today we're talking about loving God and loving people. And the greatest to me is the love of God for me. Amen. That is the greatest. There is nothing greater than God's love for me. So when you talk about God's love and you tell people that God loves you, a lot of times it's too simple to do something with it. A lot of times it's so simple that we tend to look it over or look past it or run past it. We say, yeah, 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 that's that's cool. God loves me. Okay, good. They've been saying that since the 60s. Right. It's, it's kind of like it's so simple that we don't take it serious, that God really, truly loves you. And I think that most of the people in the church today don't understand how God loves them. So my goal for this message today, for our worship experience together today, is that every person in this building leaves today knowing how God loves them. And let me tell you something, that's not light. That's heavy. And it's a big deal. And so you're walking out of here today. My vision for you today is you're going to be skipping up out of here to my God loves me. I'm free. I'm not bound anymore. I'm good to go, baby. Let's go. Amen. Amen? Just want to share my vision with you. So today we're talking about God's love. And I want to give you the truth of this message, and the truth of today's message is is this one simple thing. God loves you, period. He loves you. How many of you want to know how? I'll I'll preach it for seven people. I'll do that. All the hours of preparation for seven people, dear goodness. (laughs) I know you just didn't keep up and you didn't raise your hand. Maybe you just don't like to raise your hand in church. So let me give you point number one. God loves you before. That's it. God loves you before. Let me show you where this comes from. Matthew chapter three, verse 17. It talks about Jesus coming down to the river. John the Baptist has been at the river baptizing people telling them that there's somebody greater than him coming, telling them that that somebody's coming who's going to baptize them with fire. He baptizes with water, but there's a person coming. So he's warning the people that there's somebody coming greater than myself who is going to baptize you with fire. He makes a distinct difference between a water baptism and a fire baptism. Okay, so John's down in the river and he's doing his thing. He's dunking people, preaching the gospel, dunking people, calling the religious people snakes, dunking people. And then here comes Jesus walking down the hill. And John goes, oh, whoa, time out. I'm not worthy to even take your sandals off. I can't baptize. I'm not worthy to baptize. And Jesus says, man, just do what you got to do. So Jesus comes down into the water. And John, who I would imagine shaking in his cloak, maybe, his man dress, shaking in his man dress, takes Jesus, I mean, it was an emotional thing for me to baptize my own children. I couldn't imagine baptizing Jesus. But John takes him, dunks him under the water, and when he brings him up, the Bible says That the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. In other words, the Holy Spirit came down and lit upon him like a dove. And then the Bible says, a voice from heaven. So whose voice was that? God's voice said, this is my son. This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Then everybody was shaken. Right? I'm going to punch you in the nose real quick. Up to this point in Jesus' life, he did no works. Up to this point, he did no miracles. Up to this point, he he didn't necessarily do anything right. He didn't make the right decisions. Up to this point, he did nothing to deserve what God said, that this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So God loved Jesus before he did anything. Jesus' ministry starts from God loves me before. Because you see, right after this, Jesus comes out the water, goes into the desert for 40 days, and he's tempted by the enemy, and boom, his ministry starts, and then you read about it in the Gospels. All the great things that happen. But it started from God's love. It didn't start from, okay, I've come into this relationship with God. Now I'm going to go and do ministry, and hopefully I do a good job. It It wasn't like that. He didn't have to earn this relationship with God. He didn't have to do anything to get this relationship with God. He just showed up, and God said, this is my dearly loved son in whom he brings me great joy. You see, when you start your relationship with God from earn it, you live in earn it. And you never experience true freedom. Now, I just want to say something today. I'm sorry if somebody preached a crooked gospel to you. I'm sorry if somebody in the name of Jesus came up and told you that you had to act right in order to be right. Because that was wrong. I'm sorry if somebody told you that God loves you only when you do good things. I'm sorry for that. But that's not the truth. That's a lie. That's a lie. Because if that was the truth, then we wouldn't have Jesus on the scene. You see, Jesus was launched into ministry, launched into this relationship with God from I love you just like you are. I love you before you do anything. I love you just like you are. God loves you before. You see, when you start from God loves me, you live from God loves me, and your obedience comes from want to, not have to. You see, some of you are here today, and you're tired of being a Christian. You're hoping that, oh, if I go to church on the New Year's, man, you know, hopefully it'll just change things, turn things around, but golly, man, this Christianity thing's getting old. I mean, how much longer i got to act like this until you realize how much God loves you? That's how long. Until you realize that he loved you before. And that you didn't do anything to deserve it. Are you unworthy? Absolutely. Are you undeserving? You bet. But he still loves me. Go with me to Ephesians chapter one. I would recommend you study this chapter. several times and come back to it often. Ephesians chapter one, we're going to start in verse three. This is Paul speaking. He says, it's all praise to God, the father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So look at me. You have been blessed With every spiritual blessing in heaven because of Christ. In other words, you can't get any more blessed than you already are. And he said you were blessed with every spiritual blessing in heaven because we are united with Christ. Number four, even before he made the world, God loved us. And chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Get you some of that. If that don't punch you in your religious face, nothing does. If that don't hit the devil in the nose, nothing does. Because he chose you and he loved you before the world was even created. Come on, somebody. And he sees you holy and without fault. That's one of them big pills you got to swallow. You ever take a big pill that's hard to swallow? That's a big pill and it's hard to swallow because it comes against everything that that most churches have told you is that you got to earn it. You got to be right or act right to be right. And what God says to us today is that I chose before the world was even created to love you and to accept you And I chose, and I still choose today to see you as holy and without fault. The devil wants to condemn you, you have a real enemy, and his full time job is to make you feel like a piece of dirt. His full-time job is to convince you that you got to continue to earn it with God. His, His secret plan is to get you to think that this isn't true. He wants you to believe that God doesn't love you. He wants you to believe that God never made His mind up about you. He wants you to believe that God doesn't see you as holy and without fault. That's what He wants to do. Let me check your honesty this morning. How many of you felt that way before? Condemned. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That pressure that comes every time you make a little mistake. Every time you do something wrong. Well, who come? Who's coming? Right? He's like the nosy neighbor. Right? If the lights are on past eight o'clock, they come to, oh, something happened at their house. So here comes the enemy comes running in. Oh, you know what you did? Oh, that's it. He don't love you no more. Oh, this is it. You've gone too far. You see, I told you, I told you, you, you no good. I told you God don't love you. I told you this Christianity thing don't work. I told you the Bible's not true. I'm just repeating what I've heard. The crazy thing is that his voice is louder than God's. So what does that do for me? Makes me listen to God. The devil's voice is easy to hear. God's voice, you got to quiet yourself down and you got to pay attention. Like the old folks say, son, you just need to pay attention. You need to listen, right? So God decided in advance, verse 5, in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. God decided in advance. You know what advance means? Have you ever gone to your boss or had one of your employees come to you and say, Hey, boss, can you advance me a little bit of money? You know what I'm saying? In reality, what they're asking for is for you to give them something that they haven't earned yet. Yep. Right? To give them something that they haven't put the time in for yet. Right? I, I was an employer. I had guys that would come they, and then they wanted a loan. They thought we were the bank. I'm like, bro, I'm more broke than you are. What are you doing? But they wanted in advance. In other words, they wanted me to give them what was due to them next week. Now, God in advance, before we could do anything, before you could punch the clock, before you could do the work, before you did anything in advance, he chose you and adopted you into his family. Somebody need to get excited about that. I wish I'd have learned this when I was 13 years old. I'd have been like, I don't belong to the Tylers no more. (laughs) I'm a child of God. (laughs) I love this part. He says, this is what he wanted to do. Nobody put a gun to God's head and said, you got to, you got to adopt me into your family. This is what he wanted to do. And this is what he still wants to do today. He wants you in his family. And on top of all that, it gives him great pleasure. So Paul continues, he says, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God loves you before. He loves you before. And I'm gonna tell you right now, you, we can't go any further Until you get this. You can't go past this. Until you get this. You got to know that you know. That you know that you know. How God loves you. You can't go love other people. You can't love God in return. You can't do anything good. With a pure heart. Unless you got this. And I just want to warn you today, it goes past this. You can know this till you're blue in the face, but until it gets rooted right down here in your heart and in your soul, and it starts to manifest itself in your life, then you got it. Come on. Then you got it. It's one thing to go around and say, God loves me, but it's another thing to go around and say, God loves me. And walk with that confidence. That I'm a child of God, I've been adopted into his family, and when I blow it, I'm still in the family. And when I fall, he's there to help me up because that's what family does. Right? When I've gone too far, he doesn't turn his back on me and run away in embarrassment. He says, no, that's my son right there. Come on, buddy, get up. Get back on your feet. You see, he wants you to get up quickly. He don't want you to stay on the ground and stay down. The devil wants to, st- to keep you down. He wants to stack stuff on top of you, your past, your failures, your guilt, your shame, your embarrassment. He wants to stack all that on top of you so that you stay on the ground. And God says, no, come on, you're going to get up. Get up. Let's go. Dust it off. Come on. You see, that's what family does. So I'm not saying that just because God loves you and you understand how much he loves you that you're never going to sin again. You're going to sin again. You're going to sin again before 10. But he still loves you. And there's something about when he loves you. It helps with your sin. There's a secret. It's almost like a mystery in there. That because he loves me the way that he loves me, it causes this thing inside of me to not want to sin anymore. Right? Religion puts a pressure on you and a fear in you that if you sin, it's over with. So you live in fear of sin when the Bible says that you've been freed Of the power of sin. It no longer has a grip on you anymore. In other words. You don't have to bow down to it. But when you do. You get back up. There's something about. His love. That makes me want to live. Holy and pure. There's something about knowing. That that's how he sees me. That God made his mind up. About this big old bloke right here. That I am holy and I am without fault in his eyes. There's something about that just makes me want to live up to that. Come on, somebody. I just want to live up to what God sees me as. Right? Not because I have to, but because I want to. I want to. Why do I want to? Because I want to please the father because he so pleases me. I want to love him because he so loves me. He wanted to do this and it gave him great pleasure. It's only out of God's love that you can do great things with a pure heart. Here's the thing. When you're filled with God's love, there's no more room for guilt, for shame, for condemnation, for rejection, when you're full. When you're full, there's no more room for that. When you live like he sees you, there's no more room for guilt, shame, Embarrassment. Listen, I've done things that are still embarrassing to this day. I've made a fool out of myself. I don't even want to see the tape. But I'm not ashamed anymore. Because it's been washed away. And he loves me all the way to here. See this little crown on the top of my beautiful bald head? It's pointing upwards. See, that's the attracting. God loves me before. Bump your neighbor said say, God loved you before. Number two, <coughs> love God because you want to. Come on, let's start the year out right. Let's just love God because we want to. Amen. And listen, when you don't want to, don't fake it. Don't try. Don't try to stir it up. Don't try to act like you loving God because he knows the truth and people around you can tell when you're being fake. Love God because you want to. Not because you have to. Go with me to Matthew chapter 22. I want to show you something from the great command. The great Commandments. Jesus speaking 22 verse 37 and 38. It says this that Jesus replied. They were trying to trick him, trying to catch him up in some questions. And so they were were asking the question, what's the greatest commandment? And watch what Jesus says. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Pretty simple, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. But I'm here to tell you today, you can't do that. If you don't have that, how are you going to love God back with all that you have? And you don't have all that he has come on somebody, how are you going to love him with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind? If you don't even understand his full love for you and you haven't allowed him to fill you up with his love, love God, because you want to. You can't give it if you haven't received it. Remember, Paul said you're holy and without fault. You see, when you, when you understand and you live holy and live like you're without fault and there's nothing dragging behind you, there's no chains on you. You've been set free because that's what happens when you receive God's love in its fullness is the chains are broken off and you walk freely. When you walk freely like that, then you can in turn love God back the way that he wants to be loved. Let me show you an example. My children say they love me. There's a difference when they mean it and when they don't mean it. You see, I've trained them to love me. I told you we brainwash kids around here. Right. So I train them to be obedient. I train them to do certain things. And when they do those things, it says to me that they love me. But when they really mean they love me is when they come up and they ain't done nothing. Right. And they don't want nothing. Come on, somebody. When they have nothing but a pure motive and they sneak up on side of me. Virginia's famous for this. She'll come up to me. She'll grab me under the arm real tight. She go, hey, dad, I just love you. You see, I want my kids to love me because I first loved them, not because I trained them to love me. right? I want them to love me because they want to. You know what that means when somebody wants to love you, that means you've been on their mind. That means they spend a little time thinking about you. That means they, they, they spend a little time missing you. Do <laughs> you see the difference? When somebody has to love you and when somebody wants to love you, that's how I want my kids to love me with a pure heart and pure motives, not wanting anything. And that only comes because I've loved them first. Amen. That means the same way God loves me, I'm called to love them before they do anything right. You see, I was trained as a child that when you did things right, people loved you. When you did things wrong, nobody loves you. Right? So what it did is it created this condemnation in my life that made me eventually get to a point where I was like, well, forget it. Forget it. I just soon be what I want to be because I can never live up to what everybody else wants me to live up to, to earn their love. So I'm just going to go find love in all the wrong places. That's what caused me to go seek after drugs, to seek after girls, to seek after all these things that would fulfill the flesh and give me some form of love, even though it could never come close to God's love. But that was the thing that caused me to go that way is because I got caught up in this. I got to be good to get it kind of thing. Amen. Amen. John ten ten says this. He says that the, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus speaking, he says, my purpose is to give them a rich. Somebody say rich. And satisfying life. Say satisfying. Now, you know, you can be rich without any money, right? <laughs> somebody like what? <laughs> you can be rich in relationships. You can be rich in health. Come on. You be rich in family? Jesus said that this thief wants to come and steal, kill, and destroy. So what's he's at? What is he after? He's after this truth right here. This is, this is the one he's after. Because if he can get you at this one, then he got you. This is what he's after. He's after God's love for you. He's coming to kill it, steal it, and destroy it. That's the only plan he has for you is to steal what God's given you, to kill the dream inside of you, and to destroy your relationship with God. Because if he can do that, he got you. He got you. That's his plan. When my kids fail, it's vital that I still love them. It's vital that I encourage them. Don't get me wrong. I correct, I correct the bad thing. I give them the truth. Sometimes the truth is applied to the rear, right? I give them the truth, but I love them through it. Come on. Because I am their example Of how their relationship with God is supposed to go. See most of us can't get it right. Because we didn't have a good example. But if I'll be a good example. Then I'll help them. Amen. So love God because you want to. Not because you have to. The devil wants to get you caught up in this earn it thing. He wants you to have an earn it kind of relationship. When God wants a want to kind of relationship. Amen. And number three. Love people. Because you want to. You see in in the first verses of that chapter. Verse 37 and 38. Jesus says. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul. And with all your mind. And he says this. That this is the first. And the greatest of all the commandments, Jesus says, the greatest thing that we can do is to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Jesus is saying that. Now watch this. He contradicts himself. Verse 39. A second is equally important. Huh? I mean, do you read your Bible? That should make you go, huh? Well, I thought this one was the greatest. But you're saying that this one is equally important? Well, he didn't lie about the first one. It's still the greatest. <laughs> it's just that this one's equally important. Watch this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't you just love the way God keeps it simple? Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. In other words, everything else is revolving around these two commandments right here. Love God and love your neighbors yourself. So if we're called to love our neighbor as ourself, then that must mean that we have to somehow love ourselves. <laughs> that means I got to love me. Because if I don't love me, I can't love you. And if I don't love God and don't understand God's love for me, then I can never love me. Did I just twist your mind up on that one? Because some of you are like. If Jesus is going to say that I have to love my neighbor as myself, then that means I have to love myself. But haven't we been taught that that's not right? Hasn't it been ingrained in us that you're not supposed to love yourself? That loving yourself is some kind of an evil, wicked thing. Now, don't get it wrong. The Bible says to lay your life down and to sacrifice your flesh and to give up all these things. But it never says not to love yourself. (laughs) The question is, is why don't you love yourself? It's one thing to fuss about nobody else loving you, but it's another thing to fuss about you not loving you. What's stopping you from loving yourself? Could it be your past? Could it be your mistakes? Your failures? your rebellion, your anger, your wrath. Maybe you're divorced. Maybe you've done things you shouldn't have done. Maybe you're addicted. What's stopping you from loving yourself? Because whatever it is that's stopping you from loving yourself is a lie. It's a lie. If you can't love yourself and you don't believe everything that we've already talked about. Because I can't help but believe that if I get to meet the creator of the universe and he becomes my father and, and and I believe that he loved me even before the world was created. Even before I did anything, if I'm going to believe that, how can I believe that and not believe in me? Why would God love me and I can't love myself? How can I say God loves you or God loves me and I don't love myself? What's stopping you? Do You remember in the garden when Adam and Eve fell, and God came walking in the garden and said, "Adam, Adam, where are you at?" And he was hiding. They were hiding behind the bush. Why were they hiding? Because they were naked. They wasn't naked. They were naked. That's like buck naked. And no, when you gotta hide behind a, a fig leaf, you naked. They're hiding. God comes up. He says, "What are you doing?" They said, "We're hiding." Why are you hiding? Because we're naked. Well, who lied to you? So my question to you today is, who lied to you? Who lied to you and told you you wasn't no good? Who lied to you and said you was worthless? Who lied to you and said that one time you failed, that that was it? Who lied to you and said you'll never amount to anything? Who lied to you and said you're worthless? Who lied to you and says you're unwanted? Who lied to you? Who lied to you and said you can never get greater than this? Who lied to you and said you can never go past this? Who lied to you and said that you're going to always be this? Because your mom and your daddy was always this. Who lied to you? Who lied to you? The enemy lied to you. Because God didn't lie to you. Because the Bible says that he made up his mind even before the world was created that he loved you. And that he sees you as holy and without fault. Come on somebody. And just because somebody came up into your life and said you was worthless and you'll never amount to anything doesn't mean you got to believe them. Because let me tell you something, the world don't know what's going to happen if Christians get freed up in God's love. You wanna know why this is the thing the enemy's coming after? Because he knows that if this is the thing that you get, there's nothing stopping you. There's nothing more dangerous than a free man. Who lied to you? You're supposed to love yourself. His plan is for you to love yourself. Why do you love yourself? Because you are loved, you are wanted. You are cared for. There are plans written in the book for your life. There's a blueprint with your name on it. Nobody else's name. And that blueprint is for your life. Jesus says, I want you to be, to live a rich and satisfying life. Why should you love you? Because you're a child of the king. Why, why should you love yourself? Because you've been adopted into his family. I'm not a Tyler anymore. You can read my birth certificate. You can see my driver's license and that's all fine and dandy. I belong to the king. I belong to heaven. That's my residency. I changed it. I changed it and I got to live like it. Come on, somebody. I got to start acting like I belong to the heavens. (laughs) And stop acting like I belong to everything that everybody ever said over me. I got a new address, Amen. a new ID, <laughs> some new DNA. Come on, Miss Mary. Miss <laughs> Mary got some teenage DNA. She, they slipped up and gave her a teenager's <laughs> DNA. And I love you, Miss Mary. You ever want somebody to pray for you? Call Miss Mary. <laughs> love people because you want to, not because you have to. You see, when you love yourself, you want to give that away to other people. When you know how much you're loved and you know how you're loved and you love yourself, you just want to go help other people. It's just a natural inclination to want to go. Jesus never said we got to muster it up. Jesus never said you got to do it grudgingly. Did he? He's, he, he, he fully expects us to just want to do it. Well, why does he expect that? Is that is that is that in, inaccurate expectations? What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, expectations, inadequate expectations. Yabba dabba dabba. That's all, folks. <laughs> we'll start praying in tongues in a minute. Did he put unrealistic expectations on us? No. What did he do? He's calling us to do what he sees us able to do. Because he sees us differently. The Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, you came into right standing before God. That's how you were seen from heaven as holy and without fault. Somebody got to get this. I can miss a couple meals. We can stay here for a long time, but you got to get this today. I got lots in reserve. When you realize how God loves you, it causes you to love yourself the same way. When are you going to stop blaming yourself? When are you going to take the magnifying glass off of your own life? I started playing tennis. It's called playing, but I'm not actually playing. I'm trying. I'm trying tennis. And I realized that when I'm playing tennis because I'm so competitive... That if I mess up, I beat myself up. So I'm playing and you play with a different partner every week. And I'm usually in the 70-year-old class. <laughs> yeah, y'all laughing. You go play tennis see where you at. You might not even make the team shoot. So I'm playing tennis and man, when I mess up, I go, and so I'm a preacher, you know, so I can't cuss, right? Even though I want to. I got to kind of keep it under control. But can I just tell you, sometimes it just comes out. Right? I mean, I hit, hit the net and it's like, Grrr! Grrr! and I remember I was playing with this older guy. <laughs> See, I got to be careful because a lot of my new friends are older. So I can't go around saying old guy because these are the people I'm hanging out with. So I'm playing with this older guy and he looks at me and goes, T-boy, it's just a game. Now relax a little bit. And I went, I thought you wanted to win. He say, well, we're going to win, but just relax. And I went, that's different. <laughs> so then I relaxed and we won. I had to take the magnifying glass off of me because it wasn't just about me. Come on, somebody. I don't need to condemn me. There's a full-time enemy trying to do that. I don't need to beat me up. There's somebody doing that already. And if the devil fails, there's your people, your friends, and your family that'll come in and just help him out. And they'll try to beat you down. You don't need to beat yourself because there's a world trying to beat you down. You need to learn how to love yourself and you need to learn how to forgive yourself. That's a big one. Because if you can't get past your past... You'll never get to your future. Relax. Let the past be the past. Forgive yourself. Love yourself. I did P90X one time. Yeah, I thought that would really be funny. (laughs) And this guy, when you're warming up, he says, Give yourself a little self love. And you kind of do this thing here. You know, and you kind of, it's a stretch. It's come on, a little self-love. Do a little self-love. So I want you to do that today. <laughs> I want you to hug yourself. Okay, I will stay here until you start hugging yourself. You better hug yourself. Pat yourself on the back. Little rub, rub. Little ta-ta. mean, nobody else going to ta-ta. You just soon ta-ta yourself. Love, love. Like, like, like they would say on the Little Rascal. Wub, rub, rub. wub, wub. Wub, wub, wub. Was that the Little Rascals? Was buckwheat <laughs> a little self love you need to learn how to love yourself so that you can turn around and love somebody else i wonder how we cannot be proud of ourselves when god's proud of us i wonder how we cannot love ourselves when god loves us is god blind is he ignorant? Is God just wacky? Maybe God just sees better than we do. I'm telling you today, God is here with us in his presence. And if he has anything to say to us today, it's this. I love you before. I love you during. And I'll love you after. He wants you to be free. Completely free. Filled with his love to the point that condemnation has to flow out of the glass. That guilt and shame have to go out. Because he loves you that much. He just wants you to be free. Remember, Jesus said he wants you to live a rich and satisfying life. Kind of hard to do that with some chains on. Right? So what do I do, pastor? How do I change this? How do I not just leave here today with head knowledge, and not get it into heart beat? How do I do that, Pastor? I'm gonna give it to you, and it's simple. But just because it's simple, don't run over it. Just receive it. Just receive it. Maybe you were like my wife, and you got. In trouble for receiving things from people. She heard her daddy went to the grocery store one day and the chip man wanted to give her a bag of chips. And she got in trouble because she received it. You're not going to get in trouble for just receiving it. There's nothing wrong with just receiving it. You let go of your past. Put your past in the past and just receive it. Can I get the worship team to come up? So this morning I wanna I wanna give you some time. I wanna give you an opportunity. the worship team's going to play and listen, i ain't no hurry. If you're in a hurry, you can leave. No condemnation. But if you're feeling something in your heart, if God's been speaking to you through his holy spirit, if you know that the truth has been spoken today and that there's something out of line in your life, i don't want you to leave here in a hurry today. I want you to get it right today. Come on somebody, can we just get right the right way. It's just simply, uh, and it's a, it's just a, a thing we do. You just come up to the front to the altars and you just get it right. If you can't muster up enough courage to do that, then you stay in your seat and you get it right. But just get it right today.